to the Flying Solo Podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. If you're working solo or have dreams of starting up, you'll find support, inspiration and advice at Australia's largest and liveliest small business community. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Here's your host, Robert Gerrish. Hello, I'm Robert Gerrish and thanks for joining us for another Flying Solo podcast. This episode is one of a three-part series brought to you by ANZ, where our expert guests bring you strategies and ideas to help boost your business and profits. If you own a business, ANZ could help ease your cash flow pressures with flexible solutions like a business overdraft. Applications for credit subject to ANZ's normal credit approval criteria. For details, just search ANZ Business. To catch the other episodes in the series and get more business advice, head to flyingsolo.com.au forward slash ANZ Business. Today, I'm talking with Ingrid Thompson on the topic of cash flow and how not to run out of money. Hello, Ingrid. Thank you very much for joining us on the Flying Solo podcast. My pleasure, Robert. Thanks so much for asking me. So look, we're talking about a bit, bit of a, a kind of a thorny topic, this whole issue of cash flow. So I guess um, it's a bit of a broad question to kind of start us off with, but how do we assess our cash flow? How do we kind of work out how we're going, how we're tracking? Where do we start with all this? Okay, so ultimately cash flow is about movement. So it's about knowing where the money is going out and where the money is coming in. And so what I suggest to people to do is look over the last 12 months or perhaps the last two years and what are all the payments out? Now, not the really obvious ones, you know, like tax and um, paying, paying for the goods that you buy, but there's lots of other small payments that go out. There's mm. your internet payments and your ASIC fee and then there's memberships that you pay for and there's probably some website maintenance and all those tricky little software updates, mm. you know, $100 here from Microsoft and your Dropbox um, every two years, you have to renew that subscription yes, to yes. Dropbox. So if you take all of those outgoings, and then of course there's how much you pay yourself and as how much you pay into your superannuation, then that is how much cash is going to go out during the year. Yes. And then you take a good look at how does the cash come in? So where is the cash actually coming from? So your clients, you're selling things that you make or that you, you know, you're somehow a distributor for or the things that you actually do. And is the out less or more than the in? Right. And so (laughs) if there's not as much coming in as there is going out, then you've got a problem. problem. So that's where then you start to look at your pricing model and that's a whole other conversation. But that's firstly, where is that? And of course, then the second thing is around timing. Mm. So if you've got money coming in and out, and there's most businesses and most of the people listening probably have periods of the year where they're busier than others. Either more money going out or more money coming in. Yeah, and the money going out might be consistent, but then Mm. you might have a month or two where you pay your insurance and you pay those subscription memberships. So making sure that you've got the money stashed away for those and that the money coming in is going to cover those. So it really is just really understanding what the numbers are. Look, thank you. And that, I mean, that sounds straightforward, but I'm thinking of this, you know, as a business owner. And the very first step that you said is kind of working out all the things that you spend money on. 
And obviously, as we move more and more into cloud accounting, and surely you know, most of us have, and those of us that haven't, uh, you know, certainly got it on our list, I'm sure. But um, when we go through that sort of exercise, we look at all our subscriptions, all these various things, presumably that is also a, an exceptionally good time to just think, do I really need this? Should I be? I mean, what's your observation of that? You know, we see so many organizations, businesses now that are selling us these subscriptions. What do you observe in the businesses that you you work with? Are we all paying a bit too much through these things? It's such a great question. And I think it's important from time to time to take a good look at those. Do you actually really need to be paying for the various subscriptions? So do you get value from it? I get charged 38 cents from Amazon and I really don't know what it's for. Right. But the time in, in my life and my business to, to try to go back and investigate Amazon, what that 38 cents is for, mm. this is one of the things that I find uh, more and more businesses do charge us these small amounts of money. And how do we actually go back and stop that? Because 38 times 12, it's really only $5 across the year. Mm. But it's still $5. Yes. But I think what you're talking about is the bigger amounts that we have mm. this subscription, but we need the Dropbox. Do we need to pay for LinkedIn? What mm. are these ones that we've signed up for? Are we still using, um, are you using a full subscription to Zoom? Are you still using a full subscription to Wistia or for lead pages? Mm. Or can your websites do that for you? And if you're paying a, a monthly fee to your website for maintenance, then do you actually need to pay for something yes, like okay. lead pages as well? Okay. All right. So look, I, I'm, I know I'm sort of getting us off the topic slightly there with uh, away from cash flow. But so let's imagine then we've done that. You know, we've, we've gone through this exercise. We can say, okay, this is, where, this is where the money's going. This is when it's going. This is when it's coming in. And for many businesses, I'm sure, uh, sadly for a number, this might be the first time they've ever really done that. And what would you say to the person who does that and then can see, you know, in like two months time, I'm going to be running backwards? You know, how the heck do we? Well, you would need to know why you're running backwards. Yeah. Is it because you've issued invoices to a client that you haven't actually recovered? Because that's one of the things, and I know we're going to talk about how we manage cash flow, mm. but one of the things if you're looking at you know, you can see in two months' time. And, and Robert, honestly, my observation is very few businesses actually do that. They actually get to the point where they've run out of money before they realise they're going to run out of money. Right, okay. So, you know, that that's what, um, and I know we're going to talk in a little while about burn rate, mm. and burn rate is a, a tech startup kind of terminology that says right. how much do you spend each month. So the way you would know that you're going to run out of money in two months' time is that you know it costs you $3,000 a month or $1,000 a month to run your business. Mm. And you can only see that you've got $6,000 in the bank and you can't see money coming in. So that's where you would know that you're running out of money in the future. Yes, okay. um, so if you haven't, if you are going to run out of money, then where can the money come from? So have you not issued invoices to somebody that you should have right. issued an invoice yep. to. Do you have invoices outstanding that haven't been paid? And you know, this is something that the Small Business Commissioner has been working on over the last 12 months, is what is the state for small businesses about getting invoices paid? And sometimes it's not the fault of the business not paying them. Often, and in my experience, I see a lot of mistakes made on invoices. And as you say, we're in the cloud, so we shouldn't be making those mistakes. Mm -hmm. But is the, is the account number correct on your invoice? Are you chasing up to make sure that 
somebody who owes you money actually pays you the money when they're supposed to. Yes. So that's what, you know, there's a number of things that you can do as you see the money running out. And it may be to actually just do some more work. Yes. Okay. <laughs> work a bit harder. We don't want to hear that. That's not what I we mean, want the whole idea of having one's own business is to sit at the beach yeah. with the laptop, isn't it? But, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, you still need to, to actually do, do some work, work and send out but some it's, invoices. It's so interesting that thing, you know, you mentioned that a few times about sending out invoices. Mm. I've, you know, come across and worked with so many people. Um, a, a lot of people in the creative sort of industries where really enjoying the work, really loving doing the work, just don't actually get around to sending out any invoices. It's bonkers, isn't it? Bonkers. But look, let's move, let's move away from that. Okay, so that's looking at cash flow. That's looking at how we can kind of understand where we're likely or where it may be that we're going to hit a bit of a crunch point. But um, there's also, I guess, a bit of a trap for a number of people in business that when we kind of look at our online banking and we see a nice big sum in there, we think, ah, oh, profit. I can go and spend that. I'll go and mm. buy myself a new computer or something else. But profit and cash flow, a mm, bit of a difference, right? They are. They are. So there's two types of profit. There's gross profit and then there's net profit. So anyone who's listening that actually makes something or needs to gather together physical things to actually um, to sell something, they have a gross profit and then a net profit. So say um, you have something manufactured, and you um, sell that for $10 and it costs you $5 to have it manufactured, then there's $5 gross profit. That $5 then pays for all those other expenses that we spoke about earlier, so all of that. So then after that, you have net profit. Now, for a lot of the creatives that you're talking about, um, they don't actually have a cost of goods as such. They have what they, they have their revenue and then they have all these costs that they have and then they just have profit. And so it can look like, um, it's often a timing thing, that if there's money in the bank they ha and they may not have actually paid their GST, they may not have paid their tax liability from a yep. previous year. And that is one of the things, particularly as businesses start to grow, if they um, have the revenue coming in, are they actually making allowance for paying themselves their superannuation? Mm -hmm. Are they making allowance to pay their tax contribution? Are they making the GST contribution? And I always say to clients that I work with and anyone listening, if you're charging GST every week, every month, just take that money and put it put somewhere. Put it aside, yeah. Yeah. Now, whether you put it in a high interest account or you put it off your mortgage or wherever you put it, put it away so that it's not sitting there luring you to buy some mm. new computer for your computer because it could look like you're making Absolutely. good money. But once those bills come in, and I, that's where I see a lot of businesses... Um, particularly around this sort of early into the new year, end of the year time, where the GST for the previous um, quarter, if they've had a quiet December, January, then you know there's a, a liability for the GST for the October, November, December quarter, which may be mm. uh, substantial. Yep. And if we look at our bank account in January and think, ooh, la la, I'll go and get that computer, and then that was the GST money. Yes, so absolutely. just needing to be really cautious about making sure that the superannuation goes away, mm. that the GST is accounted for, and, and personal tax. So that, yeah. yeah, I must say, I remember personally, um, it was exactly at this time of year where I had exactly the scenario you've talked about a good few years ago now and I felt a bit flush mm. and the sales are on and I thought, yes, <laughs> you know, I'll just go and I can't think what it was I bought. I think it was a new computer or something. 
Um, as tempting, you know. It's way too yeah. tempting. And then I got slammed, as you say, with that uh, little, you know, bass return. Well, and I think the bass in at this time isn't due until the end of February. Like, there's a lien. Yeah, right. So you actually have that even yeah. greater tendency know, to feel like there. you're, yeah, yes. the money's there. But, I mean, that revelation for me when I, when I didn't is a few years ago now. I'm pleased to report where I started a, a different account and I transfer money every month. They're ready for my GST. Gosh, that makes such a difference, mm. isn't it? Mm. Because then, when when the you know that that bill comes in, no stress and anxiety, no rushing around trying to sell your children or anything <laughs> else. Well, and I often it. encourage people to make it ten percent, like because yeah. the thing is, if you charge ten dollars, then the GST is a dollar, so it's ten percent. Yeah. So really, what you would do is you would divide your revenue by eleven to find out the GST portion. But if you divide the, if you take ten percent and put it away into yes. that account, then you're giving yourself that extra bit of buffer. buffer. Yes. So that if you do have to sneak a little bit out, or you yeah. know, for some reason you have to borrow money, then it's there. Yeah. 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 Not a good advice. idea to do that though. No. But, but yeah. All right. So look, that's that's a, a, a distinction between ca- cash flow and profit. Um, now let's just go back, if we can, to this. You know, we were looking at this, um, you know, this scenario perhaps where somebody is going through doing their cash flow and realizing, yikes, I have got this period coming up. It's going to be tricky. What can we do? What are some tangible things we can do to really avoid that? Let's say this year, I'm never going to have that happen again. What do I need to do? In, in you mean to not allow themselves to get into yeah, that Yeah, to position. not to have this crunch. Okay, so it's often about timing. Um, I'll give you an example um, of a client that I've worked with, and she um, has something manufactured, and she sells it on to her um, clients. The people that do the manufacturing want payment up front in full. Right. The clients that she's selling to want 30-day terms. So she needs to so say she needs to spend a thousand dollars. That thousand dollars has to come from somewhere. So mm. where does it come from? Credit card, mortgage, you know, where, where where does that maybe borrow from the bank or now that all induces a cost. Sure. So one of the things that we can do with that is say to the people that are manufacturing, you know, can we pay half on deposit? Can we do half on delivery? Oh, okay. So we start to find ways to negotiate those terms and that's tricky in the early days it truly is tricky the other thing that we can do when we take an order from someone is that we get the payment up front and I think that um, you talked about the creatives it really is part of the language and part of the sales process for people to understand that that's quite normal to ask for the money up front. I had my website redesigned about a year ago. We had the initial discussion, there was a proposal, and then there were four equal amounts of payment to the web people. And I totally understood that that was the way it had to work because they have to pay their people. Mm. And so you can't wait till the end and have the payment. So having a good look at your own sales process, what what is that process for yourself? Are you actually taking money in time to allow the payment to yourself or your other expenses. And tell me, do you think there is, um, again, in your experience with small businesses, very small businesses, some of them, um, is there a a real hesitancy to do this? And have you witnessed many people that when they do start to have dialogue with a supplier or even, um, you know, usually with a supplier, I guess, do you find that those conversations do generally go well? I think a lot of that comes down to the confidence of the person having the conversation. Mm. And one of the things that um, makes that easier is to make it normal. 
is to say, well, when I work with my, when I work with, so if I was a, a creative doing a website like that, then it just was said to me, well, what we, the way we normally work is that we take um, 25%. And then there are three payments yep. once yep. a month as the so three. So say it with confidence. Have it as part of your procedure. Have it as part of the yep. procedure. Okay. It's written in your terms and conditions. You're yep. really clear that it's 50% up front and then the next two payments, whatever that is. So, and being realistic about, you know, maybe not asking for the whole 100%. Sure. But if you go into a transaction with a builder, with an architect, with um, anybody, if you went to get a wedding dress, like if you were doing any of those sorts of things, the person that you're working with is going to ask you for part payments up front. Yeah, absolutely right. I, I mean, agree. I know we can go into Harvey Norman and some of those big stores and it's, you know, 100 and something days interest free yes, and yes. delay your payments for three years yep. and that but that's not normal you know business to business is usually some form of payment before we get the process yeah. done okay all right so that's a very clear way if we could see a uh, cash flow crunch coming up that's one good, absolutely solid thing that we can do we can look at starting conversations with our suppliers we can look at how we speak with our clients and um, it, wherever we can uh, you know, introducing some kind of part payment scheme so we don't have to wait all the time. But that, you know, right at the beginning, that, that situation that you described there where, where um, you know, suppliers want paying now, customers don't want to pay yet. Absolutely, you know, such, such a classic. So other things that we might be doing where we, if we know there's a crunch coming? Having a good look at what your business model actually is, you know, and, and you may have to borrow money in the short term if there's a crunch coming in the next month or two. Yeah. But I think if you're going to be in business over the longer term, it's actually having a really good look at your payments process. You know, there's other ways of having, as we talked earlier, we pay a lot of memberships and subscriptions. Is there a way of having a retainer, a subscription, a membership for your business, depending on what it is that you're doing? Mm, so good. there's a lot of... Um, people who have a retainer, um, you know, accountants do it, advertising people do it, lawyers do it, HR professionals. There's a lot of people have that retainer mm. model so that that is a way of having a regular income. We see it at gyms and Pilates studios and yoga. It's a very, you know, it's a very popular way. Get the payments to the beginning of the month. So one of the things I would always suggest to people is that the retainer is due at the beginning of the month, so therefore you have the money for the month yep. rather than chasing it towards the end of yeah, the month okay. because then you're a month behind. Mm. Um, there's also, um, we've talked about deposits, um, prepayment. Um, I have a client who, and it's a bit like the HelloFresh model actually, She's, she provides foods to people, um, she cooks them, but she gets the orders into her inbox on a Monday, the money goes into the bank account on the Monday, and that money then she takes out and does the shopping, and then she um, delivers the food later mm. in the week. So, um, you know, it's a business called Miss Look, I think that's, that, and that Hello Fresher, that's, mm. that's where you basically mm. get all the ingredients for a meal yeah. delivered to your doorstep. Yeah. Fabulous little business idea. Um, but again, I think that's such a good point you make is that as business owners, we need to have the courage that if we need to change our model a bit, you know, we can do that, can't we? Mm. We sit down and go, okay, is there a different way I could be doing this? And I guess with an awful lot of these um, kind of payment apps that we see, they are so convenient and so easy to use, and they've kind of generally got built into them um, a, a means of, of taking payment from your customers Immediately. Immediately. You know, I think I was talking to um, a, tr a tradie who was around at our house not so long ago, an electrician, 
and uh, it's transformed the way that he yeah. works because yeah. it's all there on his phone. Yeah. He gets payment on the spot, no quibbling, Absolutely. no having to chase around and get the money later. Such, such a great thing. Robert, we were in North Queensland on a remote island off Mackay and exactly the same thing. We had booked in to do half a day of diving or scuba and it was such fun, we wanted to do it again the next day. I tapped my card on his little white square gadget and we paid for the next day invoice email to my inbox and he took the money. We had the fantastic day the next day. There's no excuse now for not having that technology mm. to, to actually take those payments really quickly. Okay, let's just take a little break there for a moment and we'll come back in a second. This is probably a good point to remind you that if you own a business, ANZ could help ease your cash flow pressures with flexible solutions like a business overdraft. Applications for credit subject to ANZ's normal credit approval criteria. For details, just search ANZ Business. Okay, well look, let's, um, there's a phrase that, um, I've got to be honest, I've never really understood it completely, so I'm so glad you're here. Um, burn rate. What is it? What does it mean? And why should we care about it? What's well, burn rate? burn rate came from the tech that's it's a tech okay. it's the tech startup people they right. talk about burn rate and it's an important amount of money that they talk about because in most tech companies they're employing people either here or offshore to develop the software like they're writing code and things like that so they have a tangible amount of money that they have to pay every month so they've probably got rent in either a incubator or they've got you know some kind of rent to pay because they need a physical space they have um, technical writers somewhere that they have to pay on a weekly or um, you know, probably a weekly basis. But mm -hmm. they know how much they have to pay out every week, every oh, month. Okay. And that's their burn rate because they uh, burn through ha. cash. Okay. They burn through funds pretty quickly. So if they're looking for funding or if they're you know, wanting to know on their cash flow how long they can exist. So if they've got $50,000 in the bank and they know their burn rate is $20,000 a okay, week, okay. then they know they've got two weeks. So now they need to get more cash in from somewhere. Okay. So, okay, got it. So, so it's technically just how much you spend. Yeah. So I'm, I'm already in my mind uh, translating that to my teenage son's <laughs> burn rate, which is alarmingly fast. <laughs> but anyway, that's not good. It's there. funny you say that because I was actually going to use the pocket money as yes. a um, as an analogy that oh, you know. <laughs> please don't. <laughs> okay, so let's have so. All right, so we know what burn rate is. Um, is it then uh, so as a as a small business? I mean, this surely then this this kind of goes right back to the core of cash flow. I mean, this is kind of cash flowing quicker you know, by the use of the terminology anyway. So we need, do, are you suggesting that we need to know at any point what our individual burn rate is? Well, it's probably very similar to what we've been talking about is knowing what that amount of money is that you need to exist every week, yeah, every okay. month. Um, and, you know, sometimes it just is stop spending mm. some of the things, like, as you said, what are the... the the incidentals or what are the luxuries that we're having. And it reminds me of a conversation I had with somebody recently and she was, we were just gasping about how fantastic Uber is. Right. You know, like you just press a button on your phone and, and an Uber is. turns up and you just get out of the car and it just takes the money out of your bank account or your credit mm. card. And she said that after three months, she did an analysis and she actually was spending more on Uber than she was spending on rent 
for Gosh. the office that she was renting because it was $12 here and $8 yes. there yes. and you know two and three of those a day and she was adding up and her Uber bill for a month was more than her rent was. Isn't that scary? So, I, you know, I was reading something about that um, not so long ago and how um, some of the lenders now are really looking at our habits with Uber, whether it's the car or Uber Eats, because this is the thing. We're being, mm, we're being I'm not, mm. uh, I'll use the word tricked, but we're not really being tricked, but we don't notice it, mm, do we? These mm. little bits of money. So. so our burn rate might be more mm. because you know mm. we're, we're doing those sorts of things. And I think, too, a lot of people have the coffees as a coffee meeting and, yep. the, you know, do you actually really need that or can mm. somebody come back to the office and make them a cup of tea? Or, you know, like, and is that legitimately a business expense? Mm. I think there's some, some grey areas there Bit, between. A few grey areas. Yeah, yes. so is your, if your burn rate, is, is it mm. true burn rate for the business or is it... Um, but look, if you're, gonna t if you're trying to tell me I've got to stop having coffees, I'm going to no, have no. to end this interview no. right now. It's <laughs> <laughs> not going to work. Anyway, all right, so look, that's, that's burn rate. And, and uh, I can see how as businesses, you know, we need to know that. Um, and I think, I'm guessing also for a, for a business that's got a number of projects that they're running, you know, and hopefully we'll have a budget for each of those projects, then starting to introduce this terminology of burn rate is a very useful thing, you know, for, particularly for people, maybe outdoor uh, external contractors that are working. It's the kind of knowledge we can share with them is this is the budget I've got. I'm going to be watching your burn rate. <laughs> I mean, part of the thing, though, I think surely that... I, I'm not sure, well, I'd be interested in your thoughts on this, but I see people or businesses that can continually have a cash flow problem. Mm. Do you see that? Like yeah. year in, year out. Yeah. What's all that about? I think it's because, as you said, when there's more money around, they spend it. Mm. It's as simple as that. It's the same as in life. You know, if, if you're earning $50,000, then your lifestyle goes with a $50,000 income. Mm. When you start to move through the ranks, you know, in a corporate job or in a, um, as a professional, then you earn 100000 150 and the car changes and the suburb changes. Yep. And the same thing happens in a business, you know, as we go from earning um, less money in our business, we get very tempted to take ourselves out of our home office, which doesn't cost us very much, and then we move into a shared office space. Yep. And maybe if we're at the markets doing, um, selling some sort of a product at the market, maybe somehow we think it would be a good idea to have a storefront, mm -hmm. and then the lease expense that goes with that. And we might have been doing well at the markets, but we might not be doing well mm, enough. So we haven't, translate. maybe it might not translate. Yep. Um, and the same with, you know, a lot of health professionals, you know, mm. whether they, they might be very good at what they do in terms of, you know, physiotherapy and chiropractic. And so they, they're subcontracting to someone else and they're making quite good money. And then they think, well, they'll set up their own. And the, so the, the lease expense um, that goes with that. Mm. Um, you know, somebody, I, I think that's one of the things that we can start to look. So, or we have a, a car or we upgrade our computers or we maybe um, go overseas and speak at conferences or yep. we start to build in some extra costs that might, we think is going to help the business or makes the business look better. Mm. Um, and, you know, because we look at businesses that have been successful and it might have taken them 10 or 15 or 20 years to be like that. Yep. Um, and it might be very tempting in our first or second year to just go, well, things are going well. Yeah, I'm going to accelerate I'll this. accelerate this and mm. I'll look like those. But, yeah. you know, and I know in my own podcast, I've interviewed some people and asked them about the mistakes they've made around money. 
and you know it's having business cards printed mm. and mm. launching into expensive mm. collateral that's unnecessary. Yes. You know yeah. that you can you can manage with a couple of page website, and you know you don't need to spend thousands of dollars no. on a website up front. Yeah, look, I agree, and I, I must say one of the things, and what, what I'm enjoying so much about speaking with you is that I always think whenever I've met someone who's got concern over finance in their business, particularly in their very small business, you know, obviously in many cases, people that I speak with their solo business is there's a tendency when we're worried about our sort of cash flow or the general state of our finances that we sort of metaphorically hide under, or sometimes literally, hide under our desk. Whereas I've never found a situation where the actual creation of information, you know, doing what you said right at the beginning, going through all your outgoings, going through all your income, I've never ever seen a situation where going through that process doesn't help unbelievably you know, because we worry more if we don't have the information, mm. don't you think? When we've got the information, at least we know what we've got to work with, don't we? Mm. But mm. Uh, and you must come across people like that that you know have this anxiety, concern about money, and then you go in like you know with your cape on and <laughs> float in and give them information, and you haven't. I'm not suggesting you don't do a lot more than that, but initially that's maybe where you start. Yeah. And just by giving them information. Mm. Mm causes such a transformation, doesn't it? Do it you does. Agree? It certainly does. And I and I go back to what I said about get more clients, do more work. Mm. You know, yeah. it's, if you're not making enough money, mm. then you need to get more clients. Yes, I know. And it, it, you never grow a business by cutting costs. Like you no. do have to be managing. I mean, the, the Uber yes. example is an extreme example, but I reckon there'd be a few businesses like yeah. that as well. But ultimately, if you don't have enough clients and you're not charging enough for what you do, then charge more, get more mm. clients. Yeah. No, fix your yep. cash flow that way. Absolutely. <laughs> I, actually, I must, I must tell you, I remember when uh, not long after our son was born, so you know, nearly 20 years ago now, and uh, prior to, to, to our son arriving, I was, I'd, it's kind of eked out this little time on a Friday when I go kayaking for a couple of hours. And then our son was born and we moved house, we needed more room. And I still kept kayaking on Friday afternoon. And then about three months later, all kind of caught up with me, I thought, <laughs> And uh, I think Jane actually helped me with this going, uh, you know what, I think I need to kind of stop the kayaking and do a bit more work. <laughs> anyway, a bit of a sad realisation. Well, and maybe that's just for a period, you know. I, you yeah. know, it doesn't necessarily... Yeah, hopefully it'll, period, it'll end it'll anytime end soon. Anytime soon. I, I interviewed a woman who runs a bed and breakfast in Broome, and I think mm. this is such a good example of what we're talking about because all her income, all their you know, husband and wife team running a bed and breakfast, yeah. and it's all their income is between April and November. Mm. So they still have all the outgoings the for 12 of months of the year, Gosh. but that income, because nobody goes to Broome between November and April, mm. or maybe March, yeah. you know, because the weather's so poor. Yeah. So they need to get their pricing right, mm. they need to get their um, occupancy right for yeah. those absolutely at the maximum to make sure they've got enough money to cover the rest of the, the time and Absolutely. pay themselves. So I think, you know, it does go back to, are we charging enough for what we do? Yeah. Have we really got the right mix of clients? Have we got enough clients? Um, is there too much kayaking? And yeah. Not enough? <laughs> yeah, and understanding the seasonal aspects of our yeah. work. You know, yeah. is, and we only do that when we start to look under the hood. Now look, my final question to you is, what is a cash cow? And please, may I have one? <laughs> well, you can, yes. And I had to look up where that came from because I thought, where did that expression actually come from? And mm. it comes from the dairy cows. Does it? And it's a steady stream of income from very little effort. 
So if we think about businesses, so it's a cash cow is something that has high market share and high margin. Okay. And so, in other words, high market share, selling a lot of it, selling a lot of it, and you're making a good profit, and you're making good profit. So it doesn't cost you a lot of money to to do what. So Apple, Johnson and Johnson, Microsoft, some of these are the big examples. But somebody recently gave me a fantastic one: popcorn at the cinema. Oh, yeah. That's a cash cow. It is. It costs about six cents. Yeah, nothing. And it's $7.50. Yeah. I Feels mean, it, weighty, looks <laughs> like it's a lot. <laughs> and they're so clever with their pricing because we went recently, um, and I know you and I were just talking yeah. about the cinema early, yeah. and this this size packet is $5.50, and just this much is $7.50. Yeah. You go for the $7.50, and it costs them like seven cents. Nothing, yeah. So that's a total right, cash on, cow. World. So we just, give me, give me, give me. We need to find in our businesses... Um, the things that can be cash cow. So something that mm. is easy to do, it can be repeated on a regular basis yep. um, and it, it generates the money. So it, it, the cash cow comes from the dairy industry. Mm. Now, I think cows are gorgeous, and you yeah. know they, but they're out in the field, they come in, they're now electronically milked and they go back out in the field. So, yep. you know, what is it like popcorn, like Apple? Apple, I know, put a lot of R&D into their business. Sure. Johnson & Johnson, obviously doing a lot of research. But once those products actually come to market, it's not a lot of effort. It's high market share. And it's a small cost for a high amount of revenue. But do you, are you suggesting that every business can have a cash cow or should we at the very least just be on the lookout for it? I I think we can be on the lookout for Mm. them. Um, And I think that there can be some businesses that would find it very difficult to find a cash cow. But again, I think it comes to this whole notion of are you charging enough for what Mm. you do? Mm. You know, um, you know, my father-in-law had um, some eye surgery recently and he said, oh, it cost me $5,000 for three minutes work. Well, it's not $5,000 for three minutes work. It's no. $5,000 for 20 years work. Yes. So, you know, are we charging the $5,000 yeah. and providing the value that we know? Like, what is the value of that $7.50 popcorn? Yep. Like, you wouldn't not have it, would you? No. No. And look, and I think, uh, I, as you were reminding me of... Um, Years gone by, one of, one of my first ever jobs was actually selling second-hand cars, if you can believe it. Um, don't tell anyone. But um, that was the, when you're selling a car, that's the easiest time to sell a stereo system, you know, some mud flaps, some little extra bits. And I think in so many of our kind of service businesses, we know a lot of our listeners are in the service business, the time to do little bolt-ons, I guess these can be our cash cows. You know, would you? I can deliver your work in eight days, or if you'd like it in six days, there's this little bit of a premium. You know, the chances you know, for that can be a cash cow in some ways, or just the way you enhance what you deliver in some small way. But what I like about what you're saying is, you know, is this notion of, of whilst it might not be the easiest thing to find, if we can go out into our work every day and keep an eye out for it, yeah. and also yeah. look at where we are probably feeding someone else's cash cow is mm. quite an interesting thing. Yeah. I, think. I think one of the things that we can, if we think about cash cow as a bit like um, passive income, I mean, there's really no such thing as passive income. No. But if you think of a cash cow as being something like that, so affiliate is a good example of that, what you're yeah. saying about how can you feed somebody else's. Um, you know, what are the ways that you can earn extra income from something that doesn't actually take a lot of time and effort for you, as you say, adding some kind of add-on, mm. um, you know, and and it, 
it adds such a lot of value to the um, to the income for you. Yes. But people will only pay that premium if they understand the value that that is providing yes, to them. Which mm. is a whole other conversation. Total other conversation. Okay. Well, look, um, Ingrid Thompson, it's been great um, having you back on the show again. So if we want to find out more about you, we go to healthynumbers.com.au mm -hmm. and uh, there they'll find details of your wonderful podcast, your courses. And last time I looked, a couple of little cash cows went out. <laughs> There's a couple of little cash cows there. Yeah. <laughs> so those sorts of things that once you've created a product, yeah. um, it can just be a nice little trickle of income Great. that comes in. All right. Well, let's, let's hope we trickle some in your direction. Thank so you very much, Thank Robert. you very much, Ingrid. Thanks, listeners. Thank you. Before we leave you, thanks so much for joining us for this special three-part series brought to you by ANZ. If you own a business, ANZ could help ease your cash flow pressures with flexible solutions like a business overdraft. Applications for credit subject to ANZ's normal credit approval criteria. For details, just search ANZ Business. To catch the other episodes in the series and get more business advice, head to flyingsolo.com.au forward slash ANZ Business. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo and your host, Robert Gerrish. We'd love to receive feedback, even a brief review for those listening via iTunes. If you're planning to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, check out our bestseller, Flying Solo, How to Go It Alone in Business. It includes everything we know about working on your own. And of course, we invite you to dive into the resources and supportive community at flyingsolo.com.au.